Welcome to the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss important topics for buyers, sellers, and investors in the Toronto area real estate market. Here's your host, Randy Selzer. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to my podcast and welcome back to my YouTube channel. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, uh, Jean-Pierre Laporte, who is the CEO of Integris Pension Management Corporation. I want to make sure I had that right. Uh, is here to talk about some pretty advanced techniques about pensions. Uh, one of the themes on the channel the last little while is we've been talking about ways to, to implement tax savings for Canadians. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Rob Smith about the Smith Maneuver, which was a very interesting concept. And uh, I was contacted by uh, JP's people, and they told me that what, what he is doing is like the Smith Maneuver on steroids. And we've talked a couple of times and I, I have to agree with that. So welcome, JP. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I guess one of the things we're going to talk about today, sort of as a preamble, approximately one year ago in October of 2020, Ontario allowed real estate agents to incorporate in a personal real estate corporation. And that's something new. Uh, this is not like a big Remax office where it's a big incorporated company. This is the individual realtors who can now incorporate. And that's a very interesting concept. It's something that a lot of us have been hoping for for a long time. Ontario was sort of one of the last provinces to allow it, but now it's here. And that's where we started talking about uh, tax savings from incorporation. Before I turn it over to JP and for the, the people listening, this is not just for realtors. It's for anybody who's a professional who may have their own business. They could be a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer, an accountant. This, these principles can apply to all of them. I think most of us are aware that the top tax rate for individuals in Canada is about 53.5%. That is the top marginal tax rate that individuals have to pay. Corporations, on the other hand, get a different tax structure. And I believe, let me just double check my number, the top, some corporations can get away with paying only 12.2% in taxes. So I think it is a good idea, it behooves us all to listen to JP today. And we'll talk a little bit about the benefits of incorporating. So where would you like to start, sir? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pension lawyer. So I've been practicing law for about 20 years. Uh, I did my career mainly on Bay Street in Toronto in large firms where I specialized in the area of pensions and benefits law. And uh, I quickly came to the realization that while my clients, uh, which included some of the largest companies in Canada and some parapublic uh, employers, uh, were really well taken care of when it comes to retirement planning and retirement needs because we were offering gold-plated pension plans to them, uh, that while our clients were doing well, myself, as an individual, I had nothing. I'm just like everybody else in the small private sector. There is no pension plan being offered to me. That's right. And I thought this is a bit of a weird situation. It's kind of like the shoemaker whose kids go around barefoot, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. That's very good. Um, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. Um, as a self-employed person, uh, I mean, I deal with the public all the time and, and there's many, especially old school type of jobs where the pensions are amazing. You know, people who work for the TTC or teachers, they have amazing pensions. Uh, but when you're self-employed, I mean, uh, we sometimes joke about it as uh, between realtors, there is no, there is no, your pension is what you were able to scrape together and save during your working career. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely know what you're saying here. And um, Okay, carry on. But, but, that, does, but that, that doesn't mean it has to be that way. There's actually a solution. Okay. There is a way for someone in the small private sector to have a gold-plated pension plan and be the only plan member. There is a solution out there. It's been around since 1991. Well, this, we, yeah. you and I talked about this briefly last week, and, and I, frankly, I was blown away. Like, I couldn't believe some of the stuff you were telling me about a PPP, a private pension plan, uh, which I didn't even realize existed. And uh, so this is a gain for people who are incorporated. If you're not incorporated, you can't do this, correct? No. And I'll tell you why. Okay. The, the law, the, the Income Tax Act, 
will only allow you to set up a pension plan if you're in an employer-employee relationship. Okay. So if you're self-employed, like think of the plumber that comes to fix your sink. Right. And they're a sole proprietor. They're not employed by anyone. They're their own boss. That's right. There is no employment relationship. There's no T4, right? There's no T4. Therefore, that person can't set up a pension plan for themselves. Doesn't seem fair, but I get it. Okay. So but That's once the you're- law. That's the law. <laughs> okay. And we're all good citizens. Absolutely. Um, so once you're incorporated, you can set up a private pension plan for yourself. Yeah, we, we, we prefer to call them personal pension plan, but okay. private is fine. I mean, there's okay. no- Personal, no I get it. I'm making yeah. notes, man. I'm making notes. Sure, so. sure, sure. That's, um, we, just, we, just, we just refer to it by its short form, PPP, personal pension plan. Okay, PPP, got it. Yes, so you're right. The corporation that you own, you're the only shareholder typically. Right. Uh, will set up a PPP for you, its president, its employee, and that allows the corporation to make contributions to the PPP. Right. These contributions are completely tax deductible to your business. Okay. This is the first point that started to blow my mind when we were talking last week. Okay. So you're making a contribution into your pension, basically yeah. on behalf of yourself, really. Yeah. yeah. And it's a tax deduction. That's yeah. good. That's good. Okay. So over time, that is going to build up. Well, yeah, but it's not just... It's not just one contribution. Right. There are seven contributions that a PPP customer can make to the pension plan. Not one, like an RSP. With an RSP, you get one annual contribution. That's right. With a PPP, you get seven. Okay. And some of these dwarf the RSP contributions that is permitted in a year. Okay. So, so... I mean, if you look at it a different way, it's as if the PPP is an RSP on steroids. Yes, okay. That, that has three to four times the annual limits or the, the, the lifetime limits that you get when you're using an RSP. It's completely unfair. Okay. But that's the law. So if you know that the law allows for it, then my, my advice is, Make use of the law. It's there for you. Okay. So let's say somebody, let's, let's see, use a realtor as an example, because there may be some realtors listening to this today, watching this today. Uh, they've decided they're going to go the route of the personal real estate corporation, the, the PREC or PREC. I'm not sure how they pronounce it. Um, I know this just came out a year ago, so it's relatively new. And I have some friends of mine uh, who are looking at it. And I know one person who did incorporate um, and to back up a little bit, I'm just going to say this is not for every person. Uh, certainly in the real estate world, uh, there's over 60,000 realtors in the GTA, and a lot of them are, are part-time. A lot of them have another job. They're doing this on the side. They got their license. They sell one or two houses a year to their relatives or to their friends, and they're, but they're part-time. So this, there are some complexities. There are some things about setting up a corporation that may or may not be good for someone in that situation, correct? Correct. Yeah. Right. So then on the other hand, there are a lot, there's a core of hardworking realtors in the GTA that are, you know, out there uh, blowing up the world on a daily basis, working really hard and making good money. And those perhaps are the people who should look at this. So they should consider a personal real estate corporation, at least talk to their accountant or lawyer about it to see if it makes sense. And then once they've established that, and again, you opened my eyes last week when we were talking, because I thought it was hugely expensive to set up and it's not, it really isn't. There's some paperwork involved for sure. Uh, but for someone who's full-time making good income, it probably makes some good sense. Again, when we're looking at that tax rate going down from 53% down to 12%, that's huge, it's huge. Randy, so that's, that's only the first $500,000 of taxable corporate income. For the first 500. Yeah, well, if you make more than that, let's say you yeah. make it like a friend of mine is a real estate agent and he made $1.5 million in commissions. That's a good so, realtor. That's yeah, a top so, realtor. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah. first 500,000 is taxed at 12.2, but anything above that would be taxed at 26.5%. Okay, so it goes up a little bit, but you're still at half the rate what an individual would pay 53%, yeah. you know, assuming there's no deductions or whatever. But that that's still incredible savings from the CRA. Oh. 
Yeah, and that's without the PPP. That's just without the P that's just the foundation, the benchmark the where we start. Okay. You need that for the PPP. You need to have an employer-employee relationship. Right. Right. Okay. So somebody looks at this and says, Hey, wait a minute. I'm making pretty good money. Maybe not quite as much as the guy you mentioned, but you know, as someone who's in the well into the six figures, they're going, What am I doing? I'm paying a whack of tax every year, like a, just tons of tax. And what can I do? To, there's only so much stuff you can write off, right? Yeah. And you're yet to assert, you can only write off so much of your car and your business expenses and that kind of stuff. So people say, okay, I'm going to incorporate. I'm going to do it. I've got my lawyer, my, my accountant are helping me to do this. Now we let's start looking into this, the PPP, the sure. personal pension plan. And yeah. um, okay. So I can understand the concept where you're putting some money into paying yourself basically for future. So when you retire, you've got that, uh, your own personal pe pension plan that's going to pay out. Yeah. But in the meantime, that money is adding up. You've got tax deductions on that. As you mentioned, there's up to seven different tax deductions. Yeah. So what, what happens to that money while it's sitting in the pension plan for the next 20 years, let's say? What can well, you do it, with it? it? Yeah, so, so it grows free of tax because it's, it's tax deferred, right? Just like an RSP. Right. An RSP grows, there's That's no right. tax on the growth. Right. So the same thing happens to the PPP assets. The difference is that unlike with the RSP where you are restricted as to what you're allowed to invest in. Yes. With pension plans, and it's not just PPPs, PPPs are a form of registered pension plans. Right. So all large pension plans like teachers, you were mentioning the teacher's pension plan. Yes. They're all registered pension plans. They are governed by a different set of rules. And these investment rules are a lot more permissive as to what you're allowed to invest in with your money. This is when my mind started to shake. It's like, <laughs> what, what? And yeah, again, so again, there's discrimination, right? Because if you're in an RSP and let's say you're in an RSP and you're a farmer, you're a farmer in Southern Ontario. Okay. And you have a million dollars in your RSP. Okay. And as a farmer, you say, gee, that plot of land across the road, I'd love to acquire it. I'd love to buy it as an investment because I think there's going to be a subdivision built in the next 10 years. And you have a million dollars sitting in your, in your RSP. RSP. Right. So the RSP rules, as they're currently worded, do not allow you to take that million dollars and to buy that land. Right. It's not an, it's not a, an eligible investment for an RSP. Never thought about it, but you're well, right. Well, that's just one example yeah, yeah. of what the restrictions are on RSP investing. Yes. But with a PPP, you're not in an RSP. It's a pension plan. Right. And those rules that per prevent you from buying that farmland do not apply. So you can buy that farmland if that same million dollars is sitting in a PPP. Oh, my God. So here you go. This is a game when my, my mind was totally blown last week when we were chatting and I went to you and I said, look, what you're telling me is if you put this money in your personal pension plan, you can use that money to buy real estate. Yes. And you said, yes. I said emphatically, yes. And not just a REIT, you know, a real estate investment yes. trust on a stock market where you're right. buying units of the REIT. Not talking about that. I'm talking about the buildings down the street, the triplex, right? The, the, the apartment building, the house in, in Rosedale that you want to rent out to a corporation for you know $10,000 a month in rental income. I'm talking about that real estate, that private real estate, that can be held within a PPP. You cannot, it's very, very difficult and convoluted and expensive if you try to do it with an RSP. What I don't understand, I've been in real estate for 28 years. Okay. I never heard about this till last week. I never heard about this. And I guess due to the fact that we couldn't incorporate till October of 2020, uh, it never really came up because it was just not an option. Exactly. But, so you've got all that money and it doesn't have to be a million dollars, but let's say you have half a million dollars that you've saved up over a bit of time and you just simply want to buy an investment condo. You could do it. Yes. That's exactly it. Now, may I ask, Randy, how many pension lawyers do you have in your circle of friends? None. You're the first. You're the first. <laughs> That's why you never heard about this before. <laughs> oh, man, I've led a sheltered life, I tell you. <laughs>
No, they, anyway. but the, it's just, it, I don't know. For me, the gears are started working in my head again. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've got all that money sitting there. And it's well, who do, you think, who do you think owns the 407 highway? Is that the teachers? I'm not the sure. Pension plan. The, the pension, pension plan. The pension plan. Okay. Who owns the, the Toronto Maple Leafs? Who owned the Toronto Maple Leafs? T is, is pension plan. Oh my who owns God. Cadillac Fairview and their Eaton Center? It's a pension plan. Pension plans have been investing in real estate, in private real estate for decades. Well, I think they're keeping it as a bit of a secret because this is not the sort of thing where you check on the Toronto Star and, and read about it there. It's just not there. Like they're not no. publicizing this. No, you got to tune in to uh, Randy's uh, YouTube channel for that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and to JP's uh, website and all the stuff that I've got to put all your contact information, believe me, uh, underneath the video today and also on the podcast. So, okay. So you, you start this pension plan and I imagine there are certain uh, parameters that you have to work within. When you first set up the corporation, you say, okay, I'm going to create a pension plan. There are limits. Are they, you, you said they're more than RSP limits. Like they're, they're great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because you see, we're using the regulatory regime that governs pension plans, not RSP rules. Right. So with the RSP, you have one deduction, one contribution permitted and it's 18%, 18% of last year's earned income. Oh, up that, to a limit. Is that what it, okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I knew there was an amount, but 18%. Okay. Yeah. Up to an amount. And the amount is 27,830. That's a cap. That's it. Right. Okay. So, so you get the lower of the two. Um, that's the RRSP, but the PPP right. has a whole bunch of extra contribution opportunities that don't exist with an RSP. So, so a PPP and an RSP are totally different. There's completely different laws, the different sections of the Income Tax Act, right? different regulations. Um, they're, they're, they're two different beasts. And that's what we play off of. We, we, we use the better law, the law that's more generous for our clients. Mm -hmm. And that's what we offer them. We don't give them an RSP because the RSP is the poor distant cousin. Well, yeah, yeah. Right? So let me give you an example, Randy, okay. of, of how crazy this is. Okay. If you have an RRSP, let's say you didn't have a spouse. Okay. Uh, but you did have children. Yes. Okay. That can happen. Divorce, death, whatever. Yep. Yep. So you, you're building up your RRSP and then um, have, you know, you've got a million dollars in your RRSP by the time you turn 71. Okay. Have and to then start taking it out. Right. Well, you have to start taking it up, but I'm what I'm going, where I'm going with this is that you get hit by a bus. Okay. Okay. And you don't have a spouse. So you can't do a spousal rollover of that million dollars to your spouse says RRSP because you don't have a spouse. Okay. What happens in Canada is you have under the income tax act, what's called a deemed disposition. A so deemed I don't want to get too technical here. Disposition. Okay. Yeah. So you're deemed, you're deemed, even though you didn't do it. You're deemed to have sold everything in your RRSP at fair market value. What? Yeah, that's what the law says. Okay, you're and hit by a streetcar in downtown Toronto and on Queen Street West, and you just you were jaywalking, and the streetcar hits you. Bam, you're done, and you now you have a deemed disposition that you have unloaded your RSPs, whether you did or not. Yeah, of course, that's why it's called deemed because you actually didn't do it. But okay, this okay. Mind, okay. mind blown third time. Okay, keep but going. This is bad. This is bad mind blowing because what yeah. happens is that your estate has to pay the tax on this deemed disposition. Oh. Okay. So okay. now, oh. now you have a tax bill. Your estate has a tax bill because you have to add a million dollars to your income. Right. In one you're shot. Dead. It's your terminal right. tax return, meaning that you're dead. But they're they're going to take half of it. Well, of course. So half goes to CRA, and the other half goes to your kids if you name them as beneficiaries. Right. So that's not so good. No. Now imagine that instead of having an RSP, you were smart enough to set up a PPP because okay. you had a corporation and therefore you were eligible. Okay. And you've got a million dollars in your PPP. Right. And you go out for your jaywalking. And same streetcar. Street car. Same streetcar. <laughs> same street corner. Bam. <laughs> What happened? A bloody mess. What? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. all right. 
adding a little drama here. Adding a little drama. Okay, okay. So, and if 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 your children were on the payroll of your professional real estate corporation because they're helping you with a website, they're helping you with the accounting, they help you pull up the 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 signs, the sold signs, whatever. Right. Um, and you made them members of your plan. Yes. Well, there is no deemed disposition. The million dollar is now recharacterized as pension surplus. Pension it's surplus. surplus because there's no one to pay it to. Right. There's no survivor. There's no spouse to pay a survivor pension to. Okay. And the pension plan has done his job. It promised you a pension for your life, but your life ended pretty short due to the streetcar incident. Right. So therefore, the pension plan says, okay, well, there's no one to pay this. So I'm going to treat this as surplus. It's extra money that needs to be dealt with. Right. But because your children are also plan members, that surplus is now theirs. So you don't pay the $500,000 in taxes. In fact, if the kids don't need to pull that money out right away, that 1 million can become 2 million, 3 million, 4 million. Right. And they will only pay tax on what they pull out. That's, that's significant. That's, 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 what, that's what we call the intergenerational wealth transfer feature of the okay. PPP. Okay, that, that's amazing. That is truly amazing. Well, well, let me throw something else at you. Okay. Right. If you have an RSP yes. and you go to your friend that you play golf with to be, ask him or her to be your money, your investment manager. Okay. And they say, yeah, I'll do it. I'll take you out for steak dinners once in a while, but I'm going to have to pay fee. You're going to have to pay fees, investment management fees. Right. We'll make it 1% of the assets you've given me. Okay. So you've got a million dollars in your RSP, 1%, that's 10 grand a year. Yeah. That goes to your friend. Right. You're not allowed to write off that $10,000 fee that you had to pay your friend to manage your assets because it's an RSP. Okay. Right. right. That's the law. The law says... Can look it up it says that the investment management fees in an rsp are not deductible however imagine again that you transferred that million dollar rsp into a ppp now it's no longer an rsp right it's a pension plan it's pension plan money different rules. with the income tax act that ten thousand dollar that you were paying for the investment management work is a brand new additional tax deduction for your business. All right. <laughs> okay. So, right. so okay. I'm getting so, into the twilight zone here, but yes, yes. It, okay. It, it, in effect, what has happened is let's say your corporation is only paying 12.2% because you're making less than $500,000 a year. Right. It's as if the cost of investing your assets had dropped by 12.2%. Because you're writing it off your corporate income. So instead of sending checks to CRA, you're hanging on to your money. You're getting richer. But nothing has changed. It's still your buddy that's playing, you play golf with that's managing your money. It's still 1% of assets is the fee they're charging. It's just that by making that fee deductible, you're hanging on to more of your money. I said this last week when you and I were just chatting on the phone and you laughed a bit. I, I said... Why didn't I meet you 10 years ago? Uh, and I, that's the truth. That is the truth. Um, I get that the, a lot. All this stuff, I had no idea. I really did not have any idea whatsoever. Yeah. And it's well, all well, good. Well, you know, Randy, knowledge is power. Yes, it is. People Absolutely. who know stuff and can use it to their advantage yeah. are always doing better than people who don't know. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about the cost of setting up a corporation. It's not that great. There are some ongoing costs. There are some paperwork, There's some paperwork that has to be processed. What about, um, are there additional costs of setting up a PPP that you need to be aware of sort of management costs other than having your, your golf buddy manage the investments for you? Are there like ongoing things that, that there can be? Aware? Okay. So it, it depends. We have some of our money managers that we work with that are able or willing to pay the ongoing administration fee that Integris normally charges. 
they will pay it out of their own take. Yeah, well, the reason the reason yeah. is that in the industry, there are a lot of people who pay referral fees. Ah, okay. So if someone comes to us and we send them to one of us, let's say you came to us and yeah. said, JP, I want a PVP, but I don't know. I don't want to give it to my golf buddy because yeah. uh, I don't like their, his investments <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, you can use one of our partners. Those partners will cover your annual fee. So you don't have to pay anything to get a PVP. You get all the advantages that we've been talking about at no extra cost. So that's one option. So the answer is it could be zero if we go this route. Right. But if you, for whatever reason, you don't like the people that we have uh, identified as portfolio managers, hmm. and you want to use your golf buddy because for whatever reason, hmm. uh, then it depends. If your uh, investment advisor uses a life license, an insurance license, there would be a $1,775 a year fee, a flat fee. And then we would charge on assets in the management. We'd start at half a percent and then it drops to 1, 0.15% as the, as the account gets larger. Mm -hmm. So that's one model. Or if your financial advisor is, um, let's say, only has a securities license, not an insurance license, and we then the PPP would be on what we call the trust platform. And there there's a flat fee. So there's only one fee mm. and it's 2,800 a year. Not too bad even there. Well, yeah. Yeah. the point, the, the, the real point is that if the PPP allows you to harvest tens of thousands of dollars in tax refunds that you otherwise would not be able to access. Exactly. Then our fee is completely irrelevant. In fact, not doing a PPP is going to cost you money. Right. Okay. So not every realtor makes 1.2 million. Okay. Uh, there's lots of them that make a hundred grand, 150 grand. Is there a cutoff point where you would say, well, it, it's probably not worth it. Uh, obviously if you're a part-timer and you're selling two houses a year, that probably is not going to fly. But for uh, uh, just a typical realtor that makes 100, 150,000, that's very typical. Um, is this worthwhile to look at or are they till a little bit too small to make, it, to make it work for them? Well, again, remember what I told you about the children. Even if you only scrape up $200,000 in your PPP by the time you pass away because your salary was low, yeah. your corporate revenues were low, you were doing this part-time, and all you've been able to manage is $200,000 or $150,000 in your PPP. Right. right. The fact that you can give that with no tax to your children. Right there is worth it. That alone pays for the annual cost. So it really depends on your situation. And for If you have a family business, I still haven't seen in 10 years a case where it doesn't make sense, regardless okay. of income. Yeah. So this technique is not just for realtors, but it works for, I would assume, oh. doctors and dentists and lawyers and accountants. Everybody, any, any professional type of service. Any business owner that has a company. So if I owned a McDonald's franchise, yeah. that's, that's a separate corporation, right? But I can also set up a PPP for myself. We have, uh, we have a couple of Tim Hortons franchisees that have PPPs I believe, for themselves okay. and their families. That's very, very interesting. And okay, what about restrictions on, uh, you talked about restrictions with RSPs. Are there any with where RSPs can invest? And we said, yes, you can invest in real estate using a PPP. Are there any restrictions on a PPP that you cannot invest? Yes. Okay. So what the government uh, says in its rules is that if you're going to be putting money in a pension plan and you're looking to invest that money, mm -hmm. you cannot do what's called self-dealing. Okay. You cannot take you know, let's say you have a million dollars in your PPP or half a million or whatever. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't take a chunk of that and buy your own house as an asset. Ah, okay. right? right? That's self-dealing. Ah, okay. That is not permitted. And the, the, the legal justification or the public policy behind it is that if you self-deal and what you're buying goes under, not only... Have you lost your underlying investment? You've also lost your pension. Right. Those assets are written down to zero. 
So you got nothing to retire on. So in order to protect people from them, themselves, mm. the government says, no, 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 be prudent with your pension money and invest it prudently in asset classes out there that are owned by other people, negotiate the best price possible. Um, and, and therefore, so you could like, not, you could not buy your own personal residence using, no, no, you can't buy your kids residence. You can't buy condos for your kids with your pension plan. That was, that was my question. But if you're buying, um, a a complete investment that you, let's say you're buying a, a sixplex and that, and that property, and it's out in Kitchener and you bought that and that's strictly a fully tenanted property that that, that's okay. That's no problem whatsoever. Yeah, that's exact. And remember those rents that you're collecting are tax-free because the pension plan is tax-free. Wait a minute. Right. You buy that six bucks in Kitchener and there, the tenants pay you money. Yes. You're a tax exempt entity. So you don't have to pay tax. You don't have to pay tax on your tenants rent. No, because wow. you're tax exempt. You're a tax exempt landlord. Okay. You let okay. That okay, that's another make a point of that. Anyone listening to this, that's major. Also, when you go to sell the property, can you sell it while it's in the PPP? You, well, of you, course. you bought you bought the sixplex for I don't know, two million dollars. Now you're gonna sell it for four million dollars is a two million dollar capital gain. Do you have to pay tax on that? No, because you're tax exempt. Oh man, JP, <laughs> wait a minute. So you're that's buying, the law. You're, Randy, you're, that's the law. So you're you, okay. So you're buying an income property, and you don't have to declare the income of the tenants, and you don't have to pay a capital gains tax when you sell it, even if it's doubled or tripled. It's it's tax exempt. Yes, you're tax exempt entity. Oh man. So you see now why I said it's unfair between an RSP and a PPP. It's not a fair fight. There's no comparison. There's no, no comparison. Com- and yet 98% of Canadians are using the RSP because that's all they've ever heard about. The RSP season, you know, yep. when January rolls around, yep. uh, your, your banker is going to call you and say, come into the branch to do your RSP contribution. They don't even talk about PPP. They're not even allowed to sell it at the branch. That is a lot of stuff to think about. It really is. I wish I was 10 years younger, let me tell you. Mind you, I guess this can work for someone who's like 60 plus if, yeah. uh, if the situation is right. Yeah, we have a bunch of clients that signed up at 71. That's and amazing. you're probably thinking, why would you sign up if you're going to start drawing an income? You can't even contribute anymore. That's a good, good point. Right. Well, it's right. not true that you can't contribute anymore because first of all, you can do what's called a buyback of past service. So if the corporation that employed you paid you salaries over the past years, like 30 years, okay, when you sign up for the pension plan at 71, we can retroactively buy back all those 30 years and make a contribution, which is also tax deductible to your business. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's called a buyback of past service. And then <laughs> while you can't do annual contributions. Okay. Why you can't do you can't do annual contributions? There's another rule. Remember, I told you we have seven contributions that we can make. Yes. There's another rule that's called special payments, and that rule says that if the monies in your pension plan aren't growing at seven and a half percent or more, when we value the health of your pension plan, we're going to declare that there's a deficit because you're not growing the money fast enough. You didn't make seven percent. You didn't make seven and a half percent. Seven and a half. Okay. So what happens is that once we've declared there's a deficit, your professional real estate corporation, or if you're a doctor, your medical corporation, doesn't matter, would top up your pension plan with these special payments, these extra tax deductible contributions. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so, and then this is past 71. You're not 71. Yes, you're, right. you're past 71, but right. your company continues to fund your plan because you're not earning enough money in the pension fund. What happens? Okay. You buy a property. Let's say you buy whatever piece of real estate it is. It's an investment property, but the, something happens and the, the values go down. What happens then? You, well, so you, the paid, pen- you paid 2 million. Okay. Yeah. It's in your pension. It's in your PPP. And, but now the asset has dropped by, I don't know, 500,000. There's some kind of calamity in the world. And, you know, real estate has gone down. What happens in that event? Well, that's, this is the beauty of pension laws. If you have an asset like real estate, yep. and let's, let's imagine 
here, let's make it topical. You bought a property in BC. Ah, okay. okay. Beautiful house for investment purposes. You paid $3 million for it. And then a landslide came and wipes, ripped, it, out. wipes it out. And the government says, this, is, this land is so dangerous that we won't even allow you to rebuild with insurance. Right. You can't rebuild here. So wow. from a pension perspective, your $3 million asset is worth zero. Exactly. No one will ever pay anything for that piece of land. It's, irre- it, it's, 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 it's done. It's finished. It's done. Yep. What happens in a pension plan? We file a valuation with the government and say, well, we thought we had $3 million worth of value, but we've got zero. So now the professional real estate corporation is going to do a special payment of $3 million to put you back to where you ought to be, but for this write-off. Okay. You just created $3 million of extra tax deduction. If you had an RRSP mm-hmm. and you used up your RSP room every year, right. and the same thing happened, right. assuming you could hold real estate directly in an RSP, which you can't. But which you can't. But it could have been a mutual fund that went down. Yeah, yeah. But let's say it's real, that, that house in BC. Imagine that you had done, you, the law allowed you to do that. And you've maxed out your RSP limit every year. There's nothing you can do. You can't put more money. You can't claim more deductions. It's, it's a loss. It's a loss. Good luck to you. Another topic that I think we touched upon, a lot of people like to invest uh, in mortgages, in writing mortgages, uh, private money where they're saying, okay, the bank won't, won't do a mortgage loan for this individual, but we're willing to do so at a higher interest rate. And that can be a great source of income for some people. Can, yeah. you, do, can you do that? Yes. Do it, the answer is yes. Oh the answer God. is yes, Randy. You can invest. You can lend money. The pension plan can issue mortgages right. to borrowers out there who will and, pay them interest. And, they, and the interest, the profit on it is, is tax exempt. Well, of course, you're a pension plan. See, I, st- I have to get through this concept that pension plans are tax exempt. Yes, just like an RSP. Amazing. Except we have, we have three or four times more tax room than an RSP, which I know it's not fair, but that's the law. That's how the law is structured in Canada. Well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that all the best stuff is kind of hidden away, really. They're, they're not, they're not going to get up on, uh, on Parliament Hill in Ottawa, waving a flag and saying, hey, guys, you know, save all this money and don't pay it to CRA because you can do these things. Uh, well, let me give you another example of why this is so unfair. Uh, recently, I think it's in BC, there was a guy, a financial advisor, who defrauded his clients and the BC Securities Commission slapped all kinds of fees on him. And he happened to have some money from a pension plan in a life income fund, okay. which is protected by pension legislation. So the BC Securities Commission tried to get a, an order to freeze that account so that he can't spend it. He can't take the money out right. in order to pay his fines for defrauding his clients. The BC Court of Appeal said, can't touch the pension cash. It's, it's sacred money. It's off limits to the creditors. Wow. Which is what applies to our pension plans. Well, there's got to be, okay. Are there any uh, downsides to this? There's got to be something. There's there is one. Be. There's okay. one downside. Okay. What is the downside that? is because this is a highly regulated, highly sophisticated pension plan, not an RSP. Right. There's a heck of a lot more paperwork. Okay. involved in setting it up. There are lots of moving parts. And so for a lot of people, it's an over or information overload. They just don't, you know, they, their brain, it can't process all this. Right. And they say, you know what? Just give me the RSP. It's so simple. You just sign here. Yeah, make your 15 deposit. minutes, you're, you're ready to invest. Write a check. Write done. a check in here. Yeah. No, no trouble. You don't have to worry about the paperwork. You don't have okay. to worry about people like me asking you 50 questions about, you know, can I have your articles of incorporation? Can I have your business number? Can I have this? Can I have you that? People shouldn't be so lazy because sometimes just going a little bit extra, asking a few extra questions uh, can be very beneficial for sure. Um, well, let me give you a quick analogy. When I was at University of Toronto, the awards and admissions building on Bloor uh, Street uh, had this room where they had these black binders with thousands and thousands of bursaries that you could look up and see if you can apply for it. And to me, that's the PPP. You have to spend the time, you have to research, you have to put in your, your name and ask oh. to see if you're qualified for the free bursary. The RSP are my friends that were at the, the Brunswick house 
or the the Madison drinking beer and not applying for bursaries. Right. That's a simple, but they don't get the free money. So there is a correlation between the effort, the fact that you have to learn this stuff, but then you get all these advantages that we've been talking about versus let's keep it simple. And you have your one advantage of the RSP. There's no free lunch. I, I totally hear you. And I totally agree. It's the same in real estate, uh, especially if you're an investor and you're, you know, if you, oh, I want to buy this or that, you, you know, I want to buy this six plex in, in six plex in Kitchener. Um, you got to do your due diligence. You just have to, you know, you got to look at what the market rents are. You got, you got to figure out exactly what kind of return you're going to get on it. Otherwise it may work out all right, but what if it doesn't? And if you haven't done your homework, who's to blame? You're to blame. It's that simple. Yep. And wow. I don't blame Canadians for using RSPs because that's all the banks and all these people are pushing. Their accountants don't know anything about pensions usually. And therefore, they, you, you can only know what you know. That's, and that's right. why I said knowledge is power. When you know this knowledge, if you decide not to exercise this knowledge, because for whatever reason, that's fine. It's a free country. No one's forcing you to save money. Well, I think anyone listening to this, if you're in Canada, uh, we're actually recording this on American Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to American friends. But if you're in Canada, I think every Canadian knows we pay way too much tax. I think that's, that's a given. Uh, whether you're in BC or in Newfoundland, uh, people will agree. We pay a heck of a lot of tax. It's a great country. I love Canada. But um, if there's some way to save that tax, man... I mean, when you lay it out that there's, it's 53 and a half percent is the top tax rate for individuals. That's mm -hmm. outrageous. And um, uh, to me, it's a no brainer, but it's, it's just, I think it's fabulous. And I'm just really grateful that we're able to have this talk today and put it out there for other Canadians to listen to and to watch, because I think, honestly, I think there's a lot of value here. And uh, well, Randy, there's one question you never asked me. What's that? What if with your $2 million PPP, you can't buy any real estate because the prices are gone through the roof? Okay. What do you do then? Good question. What do you right? do then? Well, you can band together with other PPPs. And you can pool your PPP assets into a special type of tax-exempt pension real estate corporation that we would incorporate for you. Where and it's tax-exempt because all the PPPs are tax-exempt to start. The only shareholders permitted would be tax-exempt pension plans. So you've got a whole bunch of pension plans feeding into this one real estate holding company. And it's that body that cuts the check to buy the expensive real estate. So combining, now- Combining two personal pension plans or two, two or three, more. Four, a thousand, 10,000. There's your teachers right there. Yeah. Now, you, now real estate agents can have their own teacher's pension plan if they want to. I got to think about I got to digest some of this stuff, really. <laughs> JP, it's uh, that is another amazing thing to think about because basically power. the sky is the limit. Then there's power in numbers. Power. And other than that, how's your day been? My <laughs> goodness, <laughs> that's that's some powerful stuff. It really is. And um, I do thank you today for coming out. I know you're super busy all the time. Um, for anyone who's listening to this today, especially anyone on YouTube watching this today or any day. Uh, please feel free to add, you know, if you have any questions about this, uh, put them down and uh, we will be happy to respond to you in a timely manner. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, what about this situation? What about that situation? Uh, I kind of wish we were on a live stream right now where we could have people commenting in because I know there would be a lot of questions. There has to be. Well, we should probably... If it's not an imposition on you, we should probably have a separate session where we bring back Rob Smith, because if someone doesn't have the cash to right. contribute to their pension plan, but want to, to right. they could use the Smith maneuver to get money out of their personal home equity Done. into the pension plan. Done. Let's do that. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll speak to Rob later today and maybe we can set something up in the next week or two. That's a great idea. And uh, so you guys are connected. I know you know each other. And, yeah, Rob uh, is, um, created a course on yes. the Smith Mover in the context of a personal pension plan, which is going on to our Integris University website. Uh, I think it's already there. Oh, okay. So we're going to be launched. We're going to be advertising that soon. And uh I mean, his father, Fraser, created this amazing tax planning technique 
It All is we need to apply it to PPPs to get even more value. But th this is more advanced, though. I mean, his his plan is great. It really is. But this this is uh, you're at a different level, man. Like this is just. Um, I never thought about pension plans as a source of of tax savings. It's just not in the in in normal people's consciousness. Why well, I mean, normal people is, you know, unincorporated, just worker bees out there. Uh, it's not the sort of thing that you would think about. But wow. Wow, they're just wow. So yeah, let's definitely do that. I will give Rob a call, and uh, anytime, man, I would be happy to do that for us. Um, so, any closing remarks? Are there any things did we miss out anything? I know I had put together some questions, but we've covered a lot of ground today. Uh, I'm sure we missed a lot, but um, <laughs> we don't want to overload your listeners and your viewers. Stay tuned, people. We will be back with more. And uh, so thank you so much for being on today. It really was a pleasure. And um, let's definitely do this again. We'll get Rob on board as well. And we're going to show some Canadians out there how they can start saving more of their money, uh, pay less tax. And but just some of the stuff that's uh, I, just the idea of buying real estate through a personal pension plan that is tax exempt, not having to claim income from rent, not having to, to, to pay a capital gains tax. What? When you well, sell, Rand okay, what? Randy, I'm gonna throw one last bone, one last thing. Oh my God! At you, just my for your head listeners. is gonna explode. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So your 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 listeners have been very patient and have listened to me drone on about pension uh, laws for uh, almost an hour. You talk so as long as you want, man. Talk as here, long as you here, want. Here's another one. Okay. If you set up a PPP. Yep. And you say, I love real estate, but I think Canada is a crappy place for real estate. I'd like to buy in Colorado because all the big companies from California are moving their head offices to no Denver. Way. And I'd like to buy real estate there because I get a much more, a higher rate of return and it's a more vibrant market. You can use your PPP cash cross the border, buy US real estate. And you won't be taxed on either side of the border. Under the Canada-US tax convention, it's a superannuation plan. So it's exempt from tax on both sides of the border. Where were you 10 years ago? Man, that's unbelievable. <laughs> and, and let me throw one last thing. I'm okay. feeling generous. It's almost uh, <laughs> the happy season. Okay. So let's say you decide that you made a lot of money in Canada as a real estate agent or whatever you are. Whatever, business yeah. You're, a, you're you, an accountant or you're a, accountant, a, de a dentist. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And you've got a PPP and you decide to cross the border and become a non-resident of Canada. Ah. Okay. Which okay. you're allowed to do. No one yes. forces you to, to live yeah. and die in Canada. You can cross right. the border. So what do you think happens to people who cross the border and become non-residents from a tax perspective? Okay. I won't put you on the spot. Uh, I'm, you have, pro I'm probably wrong. So go ahead. There is what's called a dean disposition or departure tax. One more of those streetcar scenario. Right. Right. Except you're not dead. You just crossed the border and became a non-resident. Okay. So then they deem, not all your assets, but most of your assets are deemed to have been sold at fair market value. Okay. And then you got to pay tax again. So it's the last time the Canadian government gets their hands on your money before you become off limits because you're no longer a resident. Right? Not a good, especially I, if you- Okay. You know what? I didn't know that. It's not okay. the sort of thing, if you're not planning on moving to the States, uh, it's not the sort of thing that comes up, right? No. Nope. But hugely important. So, okay. okay so, you're, so, you're, so now you become a non-resident. Right. And the government looks at all your assets, except what are called exempt assets. Right. And applies this rule and then says, okay, now you got to pay us. Capital gains. last pack bill. What? Right. Okay. Guess what? The PPP assets okay. are okay. exempt assets. Okay. That's just, I mean. So the millions of dollars that you've stashed away inside of your PPP. Right. Are not taxed under the deemed disposition rule. You, you, well, you don't pay any tax. And, and, and finally, really my final point okay. is that when the pension plan starts to pay you a monthly benefit, right. wires it to your bank account, wherever you've moved to. Normally under Canadian tax laws, under part 13 of the Income Tax Act, there's a flat 25% non-resident withholding tax that your financial institution must withhold at source before they pay you the, the balance. 25%. 25% flat. It's in the Income Tax Act. Okay. However, because the PPP is a true superannuation plan, 
And because Canada signed tax treaties with over 100 countries, that 25% shrinks to 15%. Okay, so there's 10% savings right there. Well, that on a million, so, on a, on a $100,000 a year pension, yep. that's, that's some, a fair it is something. Sure it is. You're a snowbird. You've, you've retired. You're down living in Florida. You're, in, you're soaking up the sun and uh, you just saved a whole whack of money again. Well, yeah. Why not pocket that extra $10,000 instead of paying it in taxes? Oh, man. And the CRA knows all about this and they're okay with it. Well, they came up with the rules. <laughs> they're, the, they're the government's rules. I didn't make right. them up. That is phenomenal. Absolutely. We got to talk some more. That is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the people who listen through on this at this point will be excited enough that they realize that they have to do something. I mean, uh, to me, again, I said before, it's a no brainer when you start looking at this stuff. Yeah. And don't take my word uh, for it. Don't take my, you know, no. I, I just, just you come highly recommended. Let's put it that way. No, but I'm saying like people listening are probably going to say this is too good to be true. How come my accountant never told me about it? How come right. my lawyer doesn't know about this? Can't be true. Right. So do your due, due diligence. Just look up the Integris website, look at our memos, look at everything we've written and check. Hire someone if you don't trust me. Hire someone, pay them money to tell you what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> no great. Once again, I'm going to put your website and your, your contact info underneath so people will be able to reach you right away. No problem. Well, thank you, Randy. Okay, JP. It's been a pleasure, man. Uh, I'm going to go home. Uh, go home. I am home. I'm working from home. I'm going, to, I'm going to shut down here and start to think about some of this stuff because there's a lot of stuff to digest. There really is. And uh, it's profound. I really do think that Canadians need, really need to take a look at this. And thank you so much for being on board today. Uh, we're going to do this again, as long as Rob, he's, he's probably uh, still uh, bailing out his basement or something, but uh, we'll, we'll get him on board as well. And I'm sure we're going to have a fantastic talk, the three of us. I look forward to it. Okay. Thanks again, man. Have a good day. And Bye -bye. We'll, we'll talk again soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast. Follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out our main website at randyselzer.com for much more valuable info on the Canadian real estate scene.